0: From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode two hundred and nineteen. Today's show is brought to you by Pingdom, Lunar Display, and hello. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. We have a big show today. We
1: have a iPad <sighs> extravaganza. iPad Pro extravaganza. Yes, yes. It's time.
0: It is time. But we we have a lot to get to before then. Starting with hashtag Snell Talk and, our today, and today's question comes from carlos and carlos wants to know if jason could appear on any of the classic game shows like jeopardy price is right that kind of thing past or present which would it be and why
1: oh wow 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 i feel like if i wanted to take the pressure i would uh, be on jeopardy because i've thought about being on jeopardy i think i would probably be bad at jeopardy although i know from Uh, Our friend Glenn Fleischman's experience on Jeopardy that uh, what you do when you get on Jeopardy is you study (laughs) before you do it and you learn all the presidents in order and things like that so that you've got all that stuff in your back pocket. Um, But uh, otherwise, you know, I love the prices, right? But I I think I would be bad at at the pricing part of it. Um, So I'm going to say I'm just going to take this out of left field. I want to be one of the panelists on um, because the question is could appear on a classic game show i want to be one of the panelists on match game be one of those six people who sits over there and comes up with wacky words to fill in the blank to uh, frustrate the uh the contestants and uh yeah so i want to be one of the celebrity panelists on match game
0: so what you're saying is we need to do some kind of
1: podcast as match game Oh, my. Mm, yeah, we've done. So on the Incomparable Game Show, we've done some of what we call the game of matching, totally distinct, not the same at all, uh, where we've done something like that. And it's actually a lot of fun to do that, to play a game like that, where where you, you know, you fill in the blank. So you say, you know, uh, dumb Donald was so dumb. How dumb was he? You know, when he turned on on the light switch in the living room. uh he thought he would see a blank I don't know what that is And then you have to fill in the blank And then the, uh, the contest has to guess And It's fun, it's silly um, And th- the pressure would be off Because all I'd have to do is make jokes
0: There's a lot of links in the show notes To various incomparable episodes now That include discussions of Jeopardy And match games So if you mm. want to get those Go to our show Excellent. notes and you can get them um, so thank you so much to Carlos for the Snell Talk question. You can send in a question to open any episode of this show with the hashtag Snell Talk, and we pick one uh, from your submissions. Thank you to Carlos for doing that. We have mm-hmm. some follow-up for today's show ios 12.1.1 the beta which is currently available uh brings notification previews via haptic touch to the iphone 10r this was one of the big things that i was talking about last week in our iphone 10r review that uh, i really wanted was to be able to when using the iphone 10r to use what is effectively 3d touch but haptic touch right like the long pressing to be able to see the notification content so if you get a notification you can preview it um this wasn't available currently. Uh, um, with the iPhone 10R, but we'll be uh, in an upcoming software update, which I think is fantastic. I'm pleased to see um, that Apple are uh, doing what they said, which was that they would expand haptic touch to places that it was needed. And they're doing it already, which I think is fantastic, especially like it's not even 12.2, probably that it's going to come out in, right? Like it's a point update of 12.1. So I think that's really awesome. Yeah, that's great. Bridge Keyboard, we talk about them a bunch sometime in the next week or two. I think we both have the 10.5-inch version, so for the previous iPad Pro on the way, because I know they just shipped that. Mm -hmm. Um, But we uh, saw they were talking over the weekend. They've shown some kind of renderings of what they're going to be doing for the new iPad Pros, Uh, apparently going to be shipping new versions of their keyboards in 2019, which I expect you are as excited
1: about as I am. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. The uh, the um, they were kind of trolling us. They showed us a really, really lousy Logitech keyboard design, we're like, no, uh, no, 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 so don't got, do it, don't do it, don't, so go, upset. don't go It was quite don't like, go to the dark side. And they're like, no, we're just kidding. We have a thing that's very much like the the uh, old one, which is funny because they they're you know there's not a lot of bezel space in there to put those little clips on, but they think they can do it. So I hope they can. Yeah, I remain skeptical. Like I have faith in their ability as a company to
0: to make good technology. Um, but I also know from experience that they've had some shaky first attempts at things. And I right. can't understand how this is going to really have a, a strong connection because the the clip is so small. I mean, we don't see what the back looks
1: like or anything. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very keen to see. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that it would be a magnetized back that would be used to support it rather than putting all the weight in the clips because there are those magnets back there that they could just make a back... That you clip, you you know, you just touch it onto, and then it stays. But uh, yeah, if it works, it's great. Also, they put those pictures out like the day that they came out, and I, I feel like their next step is probably that they've got them now and are figuring out what's practical now that they mm-hmm. actually have one of these iPads.
0: Yeah, so they may. I I think there might be some slight changes from the renderings that we see, but who knows? I, I'm all I'll say is like I cannot wait for these. I really hope that they're as good as the current versions. Um, because I I do sorely miss uh, my my bridge keyboard, maybe not as much as I thought that I would have. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. Um, we had a I was really happy with our episode uh, last week um, of, where we reviewed uh, all of all the great Macs, so that was really fun. But uh, Jason's review from Six Colors uh, got quoted on Apple's Newsroom, which I just think is a notable thing because I wanted to congratulate you, Jason, because that is quite an achievement to be. Amongst the handful, the five or so uh, reviews that were picked about the Mac Mini, um, they chose your quote about how the new Mac Mini is exactly what it needs to be, uh, which yeah. I think was a, which is a great quote, and I'm really pleased that Apple picked it because it, it, you were making a statement there, um, and I'm pleased that they at least from a PR perspective seem to agree with it.
1: Yeah, it was it's it's strange because you know they're picking it because it is something that reflects positively on their products and I don't write my articles to be quoted by Apple, right. I write them so that people read them who want to think about the products that Apple is is making. Um, but uh, I'm glad I mean it's it's nice visibility to be there. It's nice to be recognized and noticed and that somebody at Apple is actually reading what I write. That's uh, that's cool. So um, so yeah, that was that was awesome to see. that's it's it's on the same level as sort of like when Phil Schiller uh, tweets a link to something you wrote. Where, again, I'm not writing it to please Phil Schiller, but it's kind of cool that uh, he's got a lot of people paying attention to him, that Mm -hmm. that he tweeted out my iMac Pro review last December. So um, it's kind of on that level. It's cool. I've never been, to my knowledge, I've never been quoted in Apple PR before. I remember at one point when I was working at IDG, there was a PC world. Uh, logo and quote in a in a presentation and that was exciting for them and less exciting for me because i wasn't in charge of pc world at that point and they were kind of competition but uh yeah it's nice to be be noticed
0: um and lastly uh a couple of weeks ago you we were talking about The Changing Sizes of iPads, um, and you created an audio comic for our listeners, which uh, podcast artist to the stars, Kate Matthews, uh, went and created an actual little comic strip out of, and I think it's very cute and very funny, um, and it's in our show notes if people want to find it. Yes, thank you, Kate. We are bringing back Mike at the Movies. It has been a long time for Mike at the Movies and there has been no Mike in the movies I actually we, we've only done two this entire year so we're awesome. going to be finishing out this year we're going to be doing a couple the first one is going to be in two weeks time and we are going to be doing a movie that I have never seen but
1: feel like I should have seen by now uh, My Neighbor Totoro yeah Miyazaki We're going. Uh, we're going with some animation and this is a delightful movie I love it so much I talked about it on the Incomparable with John Syracusa and many others, and I'm excited for you to see it. So that's
0: gonna be on uh, the episode that will come out on the twenty sixth of November. so you have two weeks to watch my. Two but, Totoro. but there's more exciting news than that, Jason Snell. you know how excited I am. We're not doing a draft doing something that i think i enjoy even more than the drafts
1: is it the first annual of something because we remember there's no first annual of every of anything at all
0: no it's so much better than first it is the fifth annual upgradies what? oh boy they're oh. on their way fifth mm. annual now that sounds really exciting they are coming at the end of the year but voting is now open so there will be a Google form in the show notes where you can go and submit your votes for the fifth annual upgradees. Very, very excited about this. Um, it is worth noting, you know, we're opening the, the voting a little early. So stuff like the Mike at the Movies category doesn't have all of the entries in yet, but they will. So we may you may want to go in and amend your votes later on. But we are going to be opening up the Upgradies again, just like we did last year, to hear from you, the Upgradians. We want you to complete the survey and let us know your favorites in each of the categories. These results will be pulled together and they will have an impact in every single category, as they did last year. But some categories will be 100% decided by the Upgradians. Me and Jason will be coming together over the next few weeks to decide which ones exactly they will be. But it is now available. So we will announce a closing date for nominations sometime in the next few weeks. But you've got some time, so go in, think about it, and we'll be talking about it as time goes on. But this is for the 2018 Upgradies, which is our fifth annual, which I am absolutely thrilled about, Jason Snell.
1: Yep, it's it's hard to believe that we've done uh, five of them, but but here we are. I'm very. It's great. Oh my god! I'm so excited. I know I'm it's so your excited. favorite. It's your favorite thing, but it's it's a fun it's a fun way to look back on the year and to get the uh, listeners involved too, which is great.
0: Yep. So you can go and uh, submit your votes, and uh, every vote counts. This is very important. So make sure you get yours in. I would like to re- to, to to triumphantly the triumphant return, I should say, of Upstream. Oh, Upstream! How oh. I've missed you! I have a few uh, big big pieces of Upstream news today. Okay. All First right. off. Disney streaming service has a name. No, it is not called the Disney Vault, as many people wanted it to be, which I agree would have been a fantastic name. It's going to be called Disney Plus. This goes right with ESPN Plus, right? Yep, which is also from Disney. So, you know, it makes sense that they're expanding their their branding. Like, I get it. It's not the most exciting name, but it's clear. Yeah. Uh, So Disney Plus is going to still be on target for launch in late 2019, uh, is the plan. This information all came from Bob Iger on a conference call. Um, They also announced another Star Wars series, which will be focused on the Rogue One kind of time frame and will star Diego Luna. Um, So that's another Star Wars series. Um, They announced some other more uh, Marvel projects and stuff like that that they're looking at doing. They also spent some time focusing on Hulu and talking about Hulu uh, because it's, you know, Disney owns 60% of Hulu now. They dodged all questions about if they've tried to buy the rest of it. But (laughs) it does seem like no matter whatever the case is, Disney is steering the ship at Hulu. Um, uh, they will be focusing Hulu on general entertainment whilst Disney plus will focus solely on Disney properties and right. Disney are looking to expand Hulu internationally, which is exciting news.
1: They got to do that. They got to, they got to do that. They want to use this as a platform for, um, for some of their stuff. I think all the stuff they're getting from Fox will mm-hmm. be uh, helping feed that. And it's a US only service cause it was based on U S TV networks and, Now it's going to be something different. Like Hulu is going to be very different in five years from what it is now. But I think it's this is what we all kind of expected, which is that they're going to use it as a vehicle to get a bunch of other stuff out internationally um, that is separate from the Disney brand. Like Disney Plus, calling it Disney Plus and not giving it a name (laughs) that is like a weird name is the Disney branding, like makes it clear, like this has got the stamp of the Disney, you know, Disney on it. And so there's going to be, uh, we talk about Apple being wanting like, Family friendly entertainment on its service, you know. If you're going to call it Disney, there's not going to be any rated R uh, Marvel shows on Disney Plus, right? It's not going to happen. Not with that name. Maybe on Hulu, not on Disney Plus. So that that's uh, a clear difference. Where Hulu, different brand, it's going to have a lot of different stuff on it. That's where you're going to get your. It's always sunny in Philadelphia and The Simpsons and who knows what else will go there. Things that Disney is going to own, but will not want under the Disney brand.
0: The Information is reporting that Apple plans to launch their streaming service in the first half of 2019 in the U.S., but is planning to roll the app and service out to 100 countries within the following months. Right. So they're planning on having, by the end of 2019, this thing available in literally as many places as possible.
1: Yeah. Uh, which is good to know. This is great. One of the questions was, well, how fast was the rollout going to be and when it was going to happen? And uh, for the last, I feel like, Mike, for the last year and a half, we've had a bunch of people say at every single Apple event, are they going to announce their TV service? And we keep saying, hmm, probably not, probably not and then and then recently it's been very much like 2019 hmm, and we're almost in 2019 now and this is when it's going to happen they they've been on the job for more than a year now developing content and we're going to get that strategy in 2019 and this information story is interesting because not only does it put it you know peg it and say first half of 2019 is when they're going to launch this thing but within months it will be rolling out over 100 different countries. And that is something that I think we all knew that they would do that there's no way Apple is going to build a video streaming service if it can't roll out all the content everywhere. Like, there's just no way. There are some individual things about like local content being generated and things like that, that that deal with sort of access to some markets. You've got to have French content in France, um, things like that. Yeah, but we've
0: been talking about them ramping all that stuff up. Like they've been mm-hmm. making hires, right? So they are they are very aware of this. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So this is you know it's not quite as simple as just flipping the switch and turning it on everywhere. But uh, I don't think this is going to be a Hulu situation either. This is this. Is, so it's good to hear that uh, even if they launch in the U.S. first. Um, and they might not they might launch in a handful of countries first but the the idea is that they want to roll it out everywhere mm-hmm. quickly and that leaves us to you know the big question which is what's it going to cost what's the preview going to be what content is going to be available at launch um, and that's all still a little bit of a mystery
0: here's my other question though all right first half so when then like wwdc please not no. again Right, because
1: you know I did apple music at wWDC, I would imagine a spring event that's going to be my guess is I think they'll do a spring event they'll have an event in like April, and they'll and they'll do this that would make they'll, sense they'll, right they'll launch this unless there's a uh, the other thing I'll say is like unless there's like a TV industry event that they want to tie into, but my guess is that it'll oh. be um the, the only thing that, I, that I would i would i mean they' are wacky ideas too, like what about the day after the Super Bowl? Or the day of the Super Bowl, and they put a Super Bowl commercial on, saying all these shows are available now. Go, go get it mm-hmm. on only on Apple TV. Like they, or the Oscars, or something like that. They could do something like that as a way to launch it. Um, but they could also probably, since it's Apple, they'll probably do an event and then say it will be available on this date, and maybe that date will be the day of the oscars or the day of the super bowl or whatever yeah so and they'll then, do it that you know, way they
0: have the event to catch people that have tuned in but everybody yeah. else they'll just wrap
1: it all up with a big tv spot right and then that's the day it's available i i would i would think something like that but it could be i mean when the information says first half of 2019 probably one of the things that's happening there is um that uh, they don't know yet right like i think it's uh, they don't they don't know yet otherwise we probably have a better idea but i would imagine it'll be a kind of a a spring thing but we'll see
0: they also reiterated the information also reiterated the rumor that as well as apple's own programming you'll be able to sign up for other paid tv channels right which really does you know it solidifies the fact that really apple are more of a prime video competitor than a netflix competitor from a business model perspective
1: yeah i think that's right i, I saw somebody and i can't i wish i could remember who it was last week on twitter said something very very smart which is um there's no such thing as a netflix competitor <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. everybody else is trying to be another service in addition to Netflix and I think that's the right way to look at it is Netflix at this point is dominant and yep. I don't see a lot of people dropping Netflix to pick up one of these other streaming services it's yeah. more like who else is in that packet of of. Uh, Tim Goodman said this to me on TV Talk Machine last week like um, you're competing to be in the four streaming services that people subscribe to that's basically it. Netflix is one. I mean, Tim probably said this too about Netflix. Like, Netflix is one, and then you know, if you've got Amazon Prime, you've already at two. And it's like, what are the other two? Is it Apple? Is it Disney? Is it like? But that's that's where the competition is going on. It's a little bit like the you know, input one on the TV set where it's like, well, if you've got cable, input one is your cable box, and nobody's actually replacing that. Um, now they are with cable cutting, but it's that idea. Like, there's Netflix, and then. There's everybody else.
0: I guess it kind of reminds me like of the iTunes Music Store. Like there was only really the one music store, ultimately, which was the iTunes Music Store. And the reason that I kind of relate those two things together is it being like Netflix is no one there is there is no way that some company could be like Netflix again. Like to get the deals that Netflix got to give That's it right. a base because no one will give that content away anymore.
1: Right. All of Yeah. All of that content that it's losing, which is all the old content from stuff that that'll all uh, probably drain away. But it doesn't matter now. Yeah. You know, one can be in that place. Right. Well, like how. Um, so, you know, Warner shut down. Um, uh, Filmstruck. Oh, what's its name? Filmstruck. Right. And they've shut down some other things. And we talked about this on uh, Download last week. The uh, Because we had on Natalie Jarvie, who covers tech media for uh, The Hollywood Reporter. And, uh, you know, they undoubtedly, Warner, which is now owned by AT&T, they undoubtedly have a a streaming service coming, of course, right? Um, But they will get their Warner Brothers catalog of content. So I think, like... Friends, which has been very successful, and has, a whole new generation of people has watched that TV show on Netflix, right? But that stuff's probably going to go to whatever the new Warner streaming service is, and that's that's everybody right now is is trying to pull their content back. But it's too late. Netflix is already enormous and has already benefited, and has already built out a huge library of original content now. So they made it. They, you know, they they have made it to that point. People but don't right. care I
0: think, what's on Netflix anymore. They just know there's good stuff on Netflix. They don't the, care where exactly, it comes from. It doesn't matter
1: and that's what you want is to is to just to have it be like how could i drop netflix there's always something on netflix yeah. but for apple it is uh, and and apple's going to do what amazon's done that's very smart which is basically wrap all the other streaming services around you and say we are not just Our own content. We also are uh, the path to get all of these little services uh, added in. It's a little cable company like when you think about it. Like, well, just you just get one bill, uh, right? It's just one app that has all of these things inside it. Good user interface, if you're lucky, right? Like that's. I mean, that's been my experience with the Prime uh, Channel stuff. Is Mm -hmm. that there is something to be said for subscribing to cbs all access and britbox and having them inside the uh disclaimer past sponsor uh, Mm -hmm. prime video channels but having it inside the prime app like if you like the app experience of the rapper whether it's prime or the tv app for apple if you if you prefer that experience the nice thing about it is it's a unified experience instead of having you know oh now i want to watch star trek i gotta go to the cbs app and i don't like the cbs app but that's where Star Trek is. And you're like, I don't even need to open the CBS app. I just stay in my TV app or my Prime video app and, and do it from there. Uh, that could be potentially uh, smart. And from Apple's perspective, also, it gets people in their app where they control the promotions and they can promote the Apple TV content as well. So
0: I think that Apple have decided what their flagship show will be. Because Steve Carell has signed on to join Reese Witherspoon's TV show drama series. Um, this show, as well as Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell, also stars Jennifer Aniston. This is a big one. I think, like, Star Power, like, this is going to be one they put on posters, right? Like, this is pretty huge for them. They have a lot of great stars. A lot of, we've been talking about it, right? Like, even people like Oprah, like, doing individual projects. But you're going to have one. Yeah show with three a-list movie stars at least yep yep, right like i think this is going to be one of their big big we put it i don't know how good it's going to be i mean honestly i think it will probably be fantastic because of that cost but that's going to be one that looks really good on a poster Mm -hmm.
1: right right that's the and here's the other thing um can can we just stop for a moment and imagine what what an Apple event to launch this thing might be? First off, Holy it crap. might be yeah, it might be a very different event. <laughs> we might none of us might get invited, right? It might be that, that yeah. Tim Goodman and Natalie yeah. Jervey get invited to this, this because it's you. A, well, it's it a, is for it's a us,
0: but maybe Apple don't know that. But you know, like it, this isn't a normal event for them. It's like how when they um when they announce things like the Apple Watch, they bring in a lot of fashion press. Like it's slightly different, but this would probably wait. Much more heavily on television media with maybe some big tech culture sites, you know? Yeah. But can you imagine the people they're going to bring on stage for these things? It's going to be like a Marvel thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. Here's, like,
1: here's Oprah. Here's Jennifer <laughs> Aniston. Here's Steve word. Carell. It's probably not going to be a good presentation, but it, <laughs> it will
0: be really interesting at least. And Joe is in the chat room saying, and and, and, uh, Joe Joe and Zach are both in the chat room saying, it's definitely going to be in LA, which it 100% will be.
1: I'm actually looking. The one thing that I wonder about, although we would probably hear soon, um, but the TCA, the Television Critics Association, has not announced their winter press tour dates yet, I think, but they're usually in January. And that's another question I've got. Like, would Apple do that? Would Apple do a day at the TCA? And, and actually use a venue like that to roll out some of their plans? Probably not. They could
0: talk about the shows because the shows aren't a secret.
1: Aren't a secret, right? right. So, so wouldn't that be interesting if TCA uh, puts up their schedule for uh, the winter death march with cocktails and says, um, Apple is doing Tuesday. I'm like what? Yeah, and they're going to show <laughs> some trailers, and they'll There's bring and we're going to bring in Oprah, in. and they're going to bring in Jennifer Aniston, and they're going to do all that, and then maybe they also, you know, maybe they time that with again. The question is what Apple chooses. They've got a lot of choices, but they could time that with an event in L.A. the same week, and so they they make sure that Oprah and Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon and Steve Carell, and all those people are in L.A. that week, and they do uh, Apple Media event on a Tuesday, and maybe the Thursday they're at TCA, the Wednesday they're at TCA, but they whether it's or it's something else like the 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 choices that they're making are different because it's a TV service rollout and um, I would argue that actually they probably will include a lot of press that covers Apple normally because it the, why would you not want all the tech press and all the entertainment press to cover you that's twice the the press coverage. Woo. So, we'll, but we'll see it, it's, it's a different product though. So the rules are going to be different. This is not going to be like come to the Steve jobs theater. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to put out a new iMac and also Jennifer Aniston will be here. That's probably not going to be how it works.
0: Yeah. The the more we've spoken about this today, the more I think that they might just do this on its own, right? Like just a straight up on its own event with a very different, um, press makeup in a very different location you know, like maybe even Tim isn't there, right? Like maybe this is a Shiller and Q deal, or maybe this is Shiller oh, yeah. and the two Sony execs or now Apple yeah, execs, you totally. know what I mean? Like it might be completely different. Uh,
1: well, if and, it's if it's something like TCA, you know, they'll have, the, it will it will just be, maybe Eddie Q, but probably it'll just be the two guys who run the studio who will come you know, up Because, if they're going to go in a questions. TV
0: world, it's probably best to have the people that really know the TV world, right? Yeah to answer this yep. question anyway it's this stuff's heating up can't wait and you know all upgrade listeners you're well prepared for when this stuff launches that is the service we provide to you on upstream <laughs> today's yep. show is brought to you in part by Hello. Hollow is amazing Hollow make insanely comfortable buckwheat pillows Buckwheat pillows, I hear you say, what is that, Mike? It is a very different type of pillow. It's it's very different to your regular fluffy pillows. Buckwheat pillows support your head and neck and do not collapse under the weight of your head like traditional pillows. They don't squish down. They're just compact little things. They stay cool. They stay dry. And they breathe better as well. doesn't get all warm and humid. There is no cool side of a buckwheat pillow. It's always cool. You don't have to do that flipping over thing. It's always good. And... With a hollow pillow, you can add and remove the filling to suit your needs so you can make the pillow the exact size that you want. People have been sleeping on buckwheat pillows for years. They're very popular in Japan, and you can also find them at some high-end hotels as well. But another place you can find one is under my head every evening. Don't come and take mine because I love it very much, but that is something. I have been sleeping on a hollow pillow for six months. And I absolutely love it, and I never want to change. This weekend, I stayed at, my, uh, at one of my family members' homes. They had regular pillows, right, because they don't have buckwheat pillows like me, because they just have a regular pillow. And I did not feel as comfortable. I did not enjoy it, and I was very happy to return to my hollow pillow. It's super comfortable. It's very different, but I absolutely adore it. Hollow pillows are made in the USA with quality construction and materials. Their certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability, and the buckwheat is grown and milled in the U.S. as well. I would hope that you're at least slightly curious to try one of these things out. You're like, what is this? What is this buckwheat stuff? Well, you can. You can sleep on it for 60 nights, and if Hollow isn't right for you, you just send it back for a full refund. Go to slash upgrade right now, and you can get your own wheat Pillow. There's is H-U-L-L-O-P-I-L-L-O-W. H-U-L-L-O-Pillow.com slash upgrade. And if you buy more than one, they have a special discount of up to $20 off depending on which size you opt for. They have fast free shipping with every order and 1% of all profits are donated to The Nature Conservancy. Give it a try. If you love it, keep it. If you don't, just send it back. Go to com slash upgrade right now. A thanks to Hollow for their support of this show and... Relay FM. It is time, Jason Snell, to talk about the iPad Pro. Now, if I am correct, we both have both, right? Yes. So I think, and we were talking about this a couple of days ago. I think for the sake of ease now, because the 10.5 inch is now the 11 inch, we stop calling the 12.9 the 12.9 and we just call it the 13
1: right <laughs> apple legally can't do that right because it's claiming something that doesn't exist i feel i feel like the rest of us could if we really wanted to i i, I don't know whether it'll it'll stick it's certainly way easier to say the 11 and the 13 than it is the 11 and the 12.9 yeah. but either way it basically it's essentially 11 inch laptop and a 13 inch laptop it's like the macbook air mm-hmm. <laughs> except now these are ipads
0: because it's not 10.5 and 12.9 anymore right so we'll give yep. it a go. I'm sure we're going to slip up, but we may reference to it as the 13 in this episode, and you know which one we're talking about now. Yep. So you are getting ready to publish your review on Six Colors, but you sent me a draft of the, the review. Yeah. yeah, of
1: what I've written so far, anyway.
0: Yeah. Your opening <laughs> that you sent me is very strong.
1: Good, it is a good, very good strong feedback. statement,
0: which is, this is a computer. And I love that.
1: Yeah, the the um, I mean the night of the event when I was flying back to San Francisco, I wrote a thing that my first impressions and the headline was: "This is a computer." That is the theme of Apple's event. That is what Apple's trying to say here. Apple's basically saying, "Look, it's USB-C. It's priced. It's priced like a computer. It's got the power, more power than all of these laptops. Like it. It is Apple saying we want you to take this thing seriously as a device." Um, and that is, you know, the, that is the way it needs to be judged. Now, the challenge, and you know, you and I have seen this over the last week, with uh, especially with the iPad Pro reviews coming out last Monday, is that uh, there are two ways to look at this. One way is to judge it as a PC, um, and the other way is to judge it for what it is and how it works. And that I don't actually think those are very different. Um, and I think there are some reviews that really walked the line quite well, including Nile Patel's at The Verge, where, you know, as I say in the article, you know, the iPad's not a computer as it's been defined for the last 40 years, but it is it is different. And that means that it does some things better than PCs and it does some things worse than PCs. Um, it's not a PC and I don't think we should judge it as a PC. Well, can it do these ten things that my laptop running Windows ten can do? I think that's the wrong approach. Um, I because it's a, I've had Pro is a different thing. It's a different kind of thing. But I also don't think that means it doesn't. You can't criticize it because in the end, it still has to measure up. It still has to be worth the money and it still has to be able to do things, even if they're not the same. So I, I, that's the distinction I'm trying to make here is like there's how do you judge a product like this? And there is a group uh, a group of people who want to judge it saying, well, if you're going to call it a computer, if you're going to say that it's a thousand dollars and all of that, then every single thing that I can't do on my PC that I, or that I can do on my PC that I can't do on the iPad is a strike against it. And I don't think that's quite the right way to approach it because, um, as our friend Federico will point out time and again, there are lots of things that the iPad's way better than a traditional computer for. And so, you know, trying to find that spot where you're not judging it based on old ways of thinking old workflows. One of the things that frustrated me last week was when Nile, um, said on Twitter that his uh, team of video people at The Verge simply couldn't do a video on the iPad um, as an example of what the iPad fails at. And it's like, I'm sorry, that's totally wrong. Like, they they could do a video. You can do videos on the iPad. What he meant to say or what they meant to say was they weren't comfortable making a video on the iPad because they have built an entire computer-based workflow, PC or Mac-based workflow, that's how they make videos. They've made decisions based on the tools that they've got on the computer, and those tools aren't available on the iPad, and therefore, for them to make a video, it wouldn't it wouldn't meet their quality standards, or they, it would take a huge amount of overhead to rethink their workflows, and that they weren't going to do that. And I think that is the challenge when we're thinking about the iPad, is there's, can it do it, you know, okay, but what are you asking it to do? Are you asking it to match what you do on a computer? Or are you, are you using it for what it is good at and what it can do? And within that, again, within that, because that's the funny thing here is people on both sides of this argument are pointing out a lot of the same things that are lacking in iOS. <laughs> but uh, from one perspective, it's proof that this is a toy. And from the other perspective, it's frustration that this productive tool doesn't go far enough um. So it's all it's all a matter of perspective.
0: Yeah, and it's you know we might spend some time today talking about some places that we want to see the iPad Pro go to, but I think the, I think where is it? There is a strange, and I think sometimes fundamental issue with framing every single review around the fact that this machine has to be better or replace a PC. Like That isn't necessarily the way that this machine needs to be judged because we don't, you know, we don't, this isn't how we approach all products, you know, Like and and I find that there can be benefits in reviewing these things by people that, that use them every single day, like me and you, instead of just kind of like someone who's begrudgingly using it in the first place. Well, you know?
1: that, right. That's the advantage uh of having somebody like Federico write a review of it or having me write a review of it. But I think they're you know, if you're somebody who uses a laptop and is intrigued by the iPad, having a review from somebody who uses a laptop and is wondering if they can use an iPad is useful <laughs> because if that laptop user says, mm mm, no you can't, you just can't. Then, you know, again, from from my perspective, I get frustrated because uh, I say, well, no, a lot of those things you can, it's just different. But I think there are, uh, you know, th- it is a valid point of view to be one of those people who's on the other side of the fence mm-hmm. and who's, you know, literally like, I don't know, could I use this? Could I, instead of buying a new Mac laptop or PC laptop, could I just buy an iPad Pro and do everything? And even the most dyed-in-the-wool ipad pro user would not approach that hypothetical and say oh yes absolutely right you have to ask a lot of questions about what their job is and what tools they use because sometimes the answer is yes and sometimes it is no Um, and i think i think our frustration when we see reviews of the ipad sometimes is because it's all framed around the fact that the ipad pro is a failure because sometimes the answer is no And that's not, that's not right. Like sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes it's not the right tool for the job. That doesn't mean that it's not a tool. (laughs) It, Mm -hmm. It just means that it's not the right tool for some kind of jobs. But the internet lacks a lot of nuance and people sometimes lack nuance. And the fact that it's not the right tool for some kind of jobs translates into it's a toy.
0: Yeah, like, you know, there are a bunch of reviews that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Neelai's review. I really enjoyed uh, John Gruber's review. I think that they had a lot of balance to them. But the problem is, you know, as is all these things, people see what they want to see. And people will pick out things and be like, oh, well, look at this quote. It means it's a failure. That's
1: why it's great that there are so many reviews and videos and all these things. is Because then um, I feel like you can get a really interesting um a holistic view of the product by seeing these different perspectives
0: and here is another one let's talk about hardware
1: design (laughs) these things are so thin
0: i cannot conceive the thinness of them like i know how thin they are i know that they are thinner than any iphone ever made but my brain cannot believe that fact
1: it's um well I mean the shape is so totally different that's part of it I I think the thing that struck me about it is that Apple has decided so with the with the iPad 2 they started rounding the edges and really that was because they wanted to make them feel less chunky I mean so many Apple products have rounded around at Mac. the edges my iMac Pro is rounded <laughs> at the edges the bulges in the back and the idea there is to make it seem um, thinner than it is, right? Um, and with this design, they just stopped. They're like, "Nah, we don't need to do that anymore. We can we can go back to like the original iPad. We can go back to those uh, flat sides because it's so thin that." Uh, and, and they get benefits from the flat sides for things yep. like having the the um, magnets and charger for the Apple Pencil.
0: Well, and also if you made these tapered sides, you wouldn't even be able to fit the USB port on there anymore. Like you yeah, wouldn't be able exactly. to do that. Like you're at the point right. now probably where tapering those sides or making it any thinner is going to start to cause issues as opposed is to make really the product make worse yeah. nice. And those flat edges, that is a that is a stunning design. That is just a beautiful design. I, you know, con- considering that you've got the thin bezels as well, you know, they're both nine millimeters, which is interesting, right? Like I find it interesting that the the the, the bezels are the same size on both the eleven and the thirteen. I continue to look at these iPads. And get this real sense of a futuristic feeling design. It's reminiscent of the iPhone X in that way for me. That I'm looking at these products and they feel like they shouldn't be now. Like it is a huge jump, right? You know, I still feel that way sometimes when I look at my iPhone X. It's like you really are something that is still feels new and these iPads definitely have that feeling again for me it's like wow you feel like a futuristic device
1: yeah and well it is it is literally i mean it is literally the first time that apple has dramatically changed the design language on the iPad since the iPad 2 which was 2011 the mm-hmm. second iPad ever made since then it's gotten thinner but it's basically been the same and they've, you know, they've made some changes here and there, but like this is completely different. It is a completely different look. The way I, I uh uh describe it in the review is that it's a little like looking at a laptop, except there's only the one piece. It super looks like a laptop now. Like it really does. It's it's kinda yeah. weird. Yeah.
0: I think personally that this design is it's one of my favorite designs that Apple has ever put out. Um because it is, it really does feel like, and I feel like this is overused now, but it it really does feel like if you had infinite technology available to you, this is the product you would make from the beginning, right? Like, because it is, it's so close to perfection, right? Because if you push these things further, if you even make the bezels thinner or the device thinner, In theory, you could be harming its usability. It really feels right now, and again, it's going to change, and we'll see how it changes, but as it stands right now, this device feels about as perfect to what an iPad should be as any iPad has ever been. And one of the reasons that I think I, I rank it so highly, I actually personally rank this above the iPhone X in terms of my personal feelings on design, is the iPad Pro has no compromises in its design. Like, the the notch is a compromise, right? That is a compromise in the design. I like the way it looks, but ideally Apple doesn't want that notch to be there. But on the iPad, they don't need it. You know, like, the only thing that I think could be considered a, a compromise on design with the iPad Pro is the camera bump. But in usability affects absolutely nothing. You can lay the iPads flat With no case on a table, they do not move. They do not wobble. I don't know how that's possible, but they don't. Like, I I really feel that this is one of, from just a pure design perspective, one of the least compromising designs Apple has ever made. It is just exactly as it should be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I like it. It's, it's, uh, it's fun. I mean, it is new too. So we've got the new product thing there, but, Mm -hmm. um. I, uh, part of this too, is that it's so nice to see Apple give design love to the product that you and I use so much. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There was something. So like, so in our chat room right now, uh, Zach Knox pointed out that, you know, in his, in his mind, the the last big iPad change was uh, with the Air and the Mini, uh, which, I mean, we could argue about it, but it still was a curved edge. The curve got a little steeper. Um, they also got a lot thinner, which is one reason they had to do that. But still, it felt like, you know, again, this is the one where they threw out the design playbook. They didn't mm-hmm. tweak it. They threw it out. And so we can argue about uh, about how far back this goes, but it goes far back either way. Even if it goes to the Mini and the Air, it goes far back. And And in an era where we've also been complaining about how Apple has not spent enough time Thinking about iOS on the iPad, which we can get to later, but it really shows now like that the fact that they didn't really start revving up the engine in terms of iPad features until iOS nine, uh, in, when they should have been putting the foot on the gas from the very beginning, uh, this is, it, I, I feel like it's really starting to hurt them now. But, uh, so at a time when they were kind of like not doing it on the software side, they also weren't doing it on the hardware side. The internals kept getting better, but like this is the time where it's like Apple has spent a lot of design effort to make a completely different looking iPad now with the new mm-hmm. iPad Pro. It feels good, right? It feels as, as somebody who uses this product line, it it does feel nice to have it get some love from Apple's designers.
0: You know, I maintain. I said I said this. Uh, you know, you can roll back the tapes. I said this after WWDC. We had no iPad features, and I still feel this way. I would forgive it. If the hardware was incredible, right? That, like, I will let them go every two years and be happy with it if that's how we're going to go for software. But in those off years, I want good hardware. And, like, they really gave that to me. You know, like, this for me is, like, I know iOS isn't changing, but I now have a renewed love for these devices again. Because... The hardware is so incredible, and just because of some of the changes in the hardware, it's brought some new stuff to me, which is making my overall experience better. Yes. Um, you know, the iPad is the screen, right? Like, that's what it is ultimately, and this screen is just continues to be incredible. So, you know, there's True Tone and Wide Color, and it has ProMotion, and I know ProMotion is something that's kind of new for you now.
1: Yeah, well, so that's one of the funny things about this, is that although I have a review unit of the second-gen 12.9 in a drawer for photography, for you know all of these things. But the one I bought and the one I use is the one I bought is a first generation. And first generation does not have ProMotion and it does not have the white color gamut and it doesn't have True Tone. And so um, I don't use those day-to-day on the iPad. So it's just a reminder for people who are not upgrading. Uh, if they're thinking about upgrading to this and they're not upgrading from the previous iPad Pro, you have missed out on uh a lot of these features that are pretty amazing so uh it's just a reminder to me of how good they are and how good that display is uh again not really new features just the high frame rate the smooth scrolling it's pretty great um and and yes it is important that that display be great because it is all you see there's a bezel of course the bezel is uh a little bit thinner than it used to be on two sides and way thinner than it used to be on the other two sides but uh the screen is at the center now i'm not going to say it's like touching light because i don't know what that means but it is a big it is a uh a big deal and a great experience when you're using it
0: i think they said that because they've too many times said it's like just holding the web page in your hands or whatever right they needed another way to describe it because they've used that thing a million times um the rounded edges liquid retina which is apparently from the Eliza review. That's all that means, by the way. (laughs) Liquid retina just means the edges are round, and it's an LCD. Um, Has introduced some letterboxing issues, which is kind of interesting. So if an app has not been built to the 12.1 SDK, taking advantage of the full screen sizes... Um, it has some slight letterboxing on the top and bottom. So basically the home indicator like you have on the iPhone just is in a a black bar and the status bar is in a black bar and the content sits in between it. This is weirdly, I mean, there is a reason for it, but it is weirdly much more noticeable on the 11 than the 13 because the
1: 11 changed its aspect ratio yes. so it is in addition you you're getting a letterbox and you're probably also getting a uh, you're either getting a larger letterbox depending on the orientation or you're getting a pillar box so mm-hmm. it's yeah the the lack of if you've got a non-updated piece of software it's much more noticeable on the 11 than it is on the 13 for it sure it really is yeah i've held them side by side i <laughs> like the same apps open and it's like, yeah,
0: okay. Like this looks very different. Yeah. It looks very, and
1: very different. And in multitasking, if one, it's the lowest common denominator. So if multitasking, you're using an app that hasn't been updated with an app that has, it goes back to the letterboxing because that's how it has to do it. Um, I was actually writing my article... Uh, my review in a text editor that was updated while I was writing the section about the displays. (laughs) And I ran the update and then suddenly it was updated to support the new display sizes. I was like, oh, that's better. uh, As I was writing that section, which is pretty funny.
0: And it's kind of like the iPhone X, right? Like going all the way to the edges doesn't necessarily add a lot of functionality,
1: but it does look really good. Well, that's that's the thing about the letterboxing on the on the twelve nine. Is like, I I saw people mentioning it in our uh, Slack, and I was like, it's not that big a deal. And and the thing is, it's not that big a deal because the black bezel and the black letterboxing, you kind of don't notice it. No, in in certain apps, you really do notice it. Um, but the, yeah, the truth is that for the top and bottom, especially, and when you You've got the safe areas in the corners because you've got those curves um you know a lot of times it's just content that's flowing under the status bar or flowing under the uh the home indicator at the bottom and it's not super important content it just it looks better that way um my text editor one writer um actually had a bug where it was hiding the part of the toolbar at the top of the screen was going off the top. Whoops! <laughs> and so there was like a game of like, how can I get it back so that I can touch it? And then the update happened, and it's like, oh, now it works fine. It's great. So you know, there may be quirks too. How incredible is Face ID on this device? So I I, I, I tried to put into words how how important it is, um, and I think um, I think the best example is when you're using a keyboard with it, Mm -hmm. where, um, you know, when you're using a keyboard with it, you literally just keep using the keyboard. You don't, you know, you call up one password and it opens, you go to the, you step to your iPad, wherever it is, and you touch the space bar (laughs) and it opens, right? It doesn't, you don't have to reach up because it's one of those things where you got to reach up and rest your finger on it and get the face ID or get the touch ID and all that and now that's just gone your face is already in it's right there and it unlocks the device and uh, yeah so it's huge it's great and yep. and the fact is it's so forgiving yes if you are covering the camera it will tell you but what i found is like unlike my ipad my iphone which i feel like is not forgiving obviously it's got to be upright and all that this thing Is so forgiving in terms of I don't even think about where the camera is and I just flip it up and it works and or it gives me a little arrow and I just move my hand and and it just immediately unlocks it's it's so it's fast it's forgiving and in a lot of uh, scenarios when you're using it it basically it's like you don't even need to know that it's there it just sort of happens and you keep going on working like I've been trying to trick it but like I I
0: can't do it it's it's so interesting to me you know like I feel like. It unlocks way better. Like, I I found it unlocks when two people are looking at it. It gets it. And I feel like, well, that should confuse it. But it doesn't. Um, it feels like it has a wider field of view and can detect from further distances than my iPhone can. You know, like, I can have my uh, iPad flat down on the desk in front of me and it will unlock. And the iPhone yeah. is way spottier than that. Yep. Not only does it work in all orientations, it will unlock in diagonal orientations. Like, I've been testing it. I spin the iPad around. Like, it is incredible. Like, I don't know what they've done, but I genuinely believe that there is some slightly different hardware in here as well, that they're just not mentioning right now and i was uh, yeah. on the talk show this week uh, with merlin Mann and john gruber you know they were kind of referencing the fact that there might be something there but apple don't want to talk about it because it might make the iphone seem worse so um, i
1: asked them i asked them about it in my briefing and the response i got was essentially that it's the same hardware um and that the machine learning has been retrained for all these different mm. things. So, some of it is the machine learning input is just has to be dramatically different. But, like, than, why couldn't you just previous.
0: do that on the iPhone then? But
1: here's the other part of it, though it's the same hardware. What I what they didn't say, and it makes me wonder is is, is it the same hardware in the same position? Right. right? Or did they do something where the infrared? And the, you know, the flood illuminator and the dot projector, if if that is, if it's the same projector, but it's projecting over a wider field or something like that, right? Where, where they're actually, um, it's the same hardware, but it has been modified uh, or its placement has changed in order to get a wider angle. I don't should know. Should
0: probably study the iFixit teardown, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it would be interesting to see exactly where all those sensors are and where they're pointed and how that might vary maybe it's the same uh but yeah it is kind of hard to believe how much more forgiving it is than it is on uh the iphone
0: and it really makes the whole thing so much nicer you know i love how helpful the ui is right like you're too far away you're covering it up like yeah thank you for all of that right like i enjoy all of those prompts i think it's great so Face ID, I mean, ultimately, big thumbs up. Like I, I like it Huge. on the iPad even more uh, than on my iPhone. You know, like I sit down to my iPad, it's at the desk with the keyboard out, and I hit the spacebar two times, and I'm in. Yeah, you know, like it wakes up the screen and opens up. Oh, by the way, talking about that, I'm so happy to have tapped to wake.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's a big, uh,
0: big it's improvement. improvement. I, it's one of those things I forget about because I was doing it anyway, but it wasn't working, right? <laughs> uh, but sure. I'm so happy. I'm so happy to have it here. The only one downside for me from uh, the from Face ID, i.e., no home button, is um, unlocking or or like quitting the, an app when I'm using the Apple Pencil. Like I used to use my Apple Pencil and hit the home button, right, and it would go home. There's no way with the Apple Pencil to make the iPad go home. Uh, Interesting. This has always been the way that the Apple Pencil can't interact with any of the system elements. So it could never change multitasking. It can't bring down control center. It can't bring down notification center. So it also doesn't work with the home indicator. So this is not a big thing, but it's just something that I keep like putting my Apple Pencil to a place that doesn't exist, right? It's, like, off the edge of the iPad to try and hit the home button. So that's the one downside that I have with, you know, no home button anymore. Everything else is upside. Oh, and also, there's a second, the screenshot thing is a nightmare. I hate that, like, that you have to hit... The wake, like the the, the, two the side button and the and they're the, the two button.
1: buttons closest to the corner. So I've gotten used to this sort no, of like, like kind it. of pinch pinch the corner thing. But yeah, it that takes some takes some getting used to for sure.
0: I've also found it to be less reliable. Like it's failing on me. Like it keeps changing the volume. Um, I assume this is just something that needs to be tweaked. But that that's been a bit wonky for me. Mm. Should we talk about the performance? I mean, I don't really know what to say. Like these are incredibly fast and incredibly responsive, as you would expect. Yeah. But there is an abundance of headroom in these devices. Like, it's just, there's these, I mean, okay, this is why so many people are talking about the missing parts of iOS because these devices are so powerful. Like, I get how you get from there to there. But all it does is, and I've seen other people say this, I completely agree, it reminds me of the iPad Air 2 and iOS 9. Like, the iPad Air 2 debuted and was way too powerful for what i what yeah. iOS on the iPad could do with iOS 8 and it was because in June iOS 9 came with split screen
1: yeah I, also i think it's like you need more apps that can take advantage of this and they know that they've got photoshop coming down the road and there yeah. are others i i spent a lot of time doing some testing with um with Ferrite recording studio the editing app um that i use for podcasts when i'm on my iPad and uh, there, I sent the developer some feedback because there were a couple of places where I'm like, I'm not seeing any benefit here. And I think I've found, uh, places I did some performance, uh, analysis apparently for him where mm-hmm. there's some places that he might want to actually, uh, he, he can gain some benefit by speeding up the app. But, uh, there were also some areas where it was just very clearly for something like that, uh, much faster. And it's one of those things where, you know, does it matter that the export takes, half as long (laughs) it's like well yeah if you're waiting for the export to happen it does matter and i think the challenge is that there are a lot of apps that just don't don't stress out the system and um so we need more of those and there needs to be you know more functionality that uses the power because the power is there and that's a that's a recurring theme actually um in a lot of reviews uh it comes out as we said earlier it comes out in a lot of different ways and sometimes it comes out angry and sometimes it comes out dismissive but for me the big question is not is this a computer or is this a PC or can it replace your PC? For me, I think the question we need to keep asking is, um, can the software live up to the hardware? And right now, the answer is no. <laughs> I think when we can get it, we can get into it in a little bit, but like the like you said about the iPad Air two and iOS eight and then nine. Um, the the hardware is i said last week the hardware is is willing but the software is weak i mean it's kind of like that it's like this what what can this hardware do it can do anything you throw at it uh, are there more things we could throw at it mm, like let's find some more things to throw at it because right now it's it's uh it it will handle almost anything you throw at it you can edit video with a 4k external display and all that yeah you can totally do that but there are not as many of those use cases as you want because quite honestly if you're if you're using if you're not stressing out the hardware you know there are a lot of arguments that you should just be buying the 350 and fifty dollar ipad at that point the point of having a thousand dollar ipad with all this power is that you use it and that's the that's the big open question i think about this product
0: and you know i'm i'm in the camp of believing that there will be more places it will be used i mean even just in photoshop right like i'm sure photoshop really needs this um but you know if you're going to do more with the operating system they had might they had to release these devices now like these iPads will be the iPads we have for the next 18 months to 2 years because that's the kind of cadence that the iPad is on right now especially the iPad yeah. pro so you would want to release the hardware before the software, not afterwards
1: well i mean i I would my theory is that that German report that they had ipad features in iOS twelve and they kicked them out because they wanted it want they wanted stability i I believe that this thing was designed with some of those features in mind okay and they're and, and we we just didn't get them and that may I think that may have actually been the case with iOS 8 and iOS 9, too, (laughs) is in the end, uh, I, I think in the end, Apple is willing to kick those features down the road and just release an iPad that's incredibly capable and then let the next version catch up with it. The nice thing about the iPad Air 2 being so capable is that when WWDC came around the next June, they said, you can test these features now on the iPad Air. Or iPad Air two or whatever, like you can mm-hmm. test them now. We have them now, even though you know there is an iPad Pro coming. But like we already have a capable system that you can test these on, and whatever they do in iOS thirteen, uh, these iPad Pros will be able to handle it. But I think it's a de- I think it's debatable whether these were designed purposefully to be ready for whatever comes next, or whether they were designed for whatever comes next and it got delayed.
0: So referencing another thing that kind of isn't there yet, USB C.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, we knew this would happen. You and I have been talking for months now about this rumor about the iPads having USB-C. And I think saying <laughs> that this is going to be a challenge for Apple in terms of communication, because USB-C is a, is a plug and it only works with what the software has been built to support. And Apple basically didn't improve the software support for devices. that. It essentially, with the exception of like high resolution displays, and there's some complexity there, right? Because it won't work with a, it'll it'll drive 5K displays, but it won't drive 5K Thunderbolt displays because it doesn't have Thunderbolt. You need to have a USB display and there are like three of them or something like that. There's not very many of them. No
0: trip to Dongletown will save you on that one, I don't think. No,
1: because you can't, Thunderbolt and USB-C, you know, you can't make USB-C behave like Thunderbolt. That doesn't happen. So um, it's the other way around. So um, this is the challenge: is they haven't done anything for. If you could adapt it before, you can do it now, and the difference is just that the port is different, and you might not need an adapter. But the sheer existence of it as a USB C port doesn't make it support anything more. That is, yep. once again, it's back to the software. And as far as
0: I can tell, the only yep. different thing that it does is allows you to charge other USB C devices, right?
1: Or USB right, yeah. devices. Well, well, it's so so it can it can do more power than, yeah. US, than lightning. And so right, there are right. lots of USB devices that are bus powered that you previously could only use on an iPad with that adapter where you also plugged in a lightning plug and okay. plugged it into power. And then it would power those devices that now will just run off of bus power. Right. Lots of microphones and USB interfaces and, and, and even some keyboards that, that wanted power and the iPad couldn't supply it over lightning and so they didn't work. And now they work. Um, And that's a function of USB-C. And yes, so that means you can also charge uh, external devices with it. That's a function of USB-C that is great. And the software doesn't really need to support that at a high level. So great. Uh, But what it doesn't get you is what a lot of people thought, which is great. I can plug in my name of random USB-C device here and it will totally work like it does on a computer. Not unless Apple has built that. And so the one we keep talking about is is file access where apple built file access on storage devices early on in the days of the iphone to import photos from cameras and sd cards and so it'll import if you if you plug storage into any ios device it will open the photos app and try to bring in anything that it recognizes as a video or a picture And that is all it is capable of doing to this day, even though there's a file browser now and all of that, that's not, it it launches photos and it wants you to import photos and videos. And that's literally everything. And um, that, you know, by, by changing the port, Apple has opened itself up to that conversation again, because now it seems much more like uh, the, what you find on the side of a computer, but it doesn't do the stuff that happens when you plug those devices into a computer. And, you know, I, I it's an, a, another one of those examples where uh, it would really, I was talking to somebody the other day, it might've been Dan Warren and, and, and we were saying how it is kind of baffling why Apple, I, I don't know, maybe they don't want to do it or maybe it's just too hard or maybe they couldn't do it in time. But like, think of how much criticism Apple could have completely bypassed about the iPad If they had put file storage into an iOS update.
0: So like the amount of people that are complaining about it, including me and you probably wouldn't even use it that much, but it's just something that's such an oversight. We can't believe it didn't get fixed.
1: Right. And it reminds me of range anxiety with electric vehicles, Mm -hmm. which is, which is like most of the time you don't need that range, but you are really reluctant to buy an electric car because what if I do? And that's the fact of like, if you're traveling somewhere with just an iPad You and you and I both experienced this. You are closing yourself off to a bunch of scenarios where somebody hands you a USB thing and says, can you get the file off of this? And the answer is no, I literally cannot do that. Um, When I am recording something with a USB recorder and it saves something audio files on an SD card, I can't, I had to buy a weird contraption to bridge that via Wi-Fi and a custom app. and It's like all this whole thing, because I can't just bring my iPad and my SD card recorder, even though it's got USB and I, I, and I've got an SD card reader for my iPad. I can't, can't do it. So that's, I think that's some of it is like, does it come up a lot? Well, no, but it's hard to commit when you, you know, by committing, you are closing yourself off from some very common, I would say, especially in, in kind of business situations and and you know apple would say high speed cloud access uh, cloud service uh, tr- file transfers is the future and uh, we we're building this for the future yep. but the fact is you know there are so many scenarios where you are not and the person you're dealing with is not on a high speed network
0: that was more of an excuse when you were using lightning ports but now you have the exact port that's needed so now it's it's harder to excuse.
1: Yeah, and, and also I don't buy it like, okay, this is a device that can edit four K video. <laughs> what cloud access? Like, you know, at least it can import the video. But that's an example where it's like, well, why even bother? Let's just use the cloud. Oh, because the files are huge. And my audio files, they're also huge. And if I'm on an airplane and somebody hands me a PowerPoint presentation on a USB drive, what do I do? The answer is nothing, because the iPad won't see it. And that's like that's not that's not good enough. So uh, again, they could have saved. <laughs> this all could have been avoided <laughs> if they had done that software update. And I wonder if it's coming or if they're just going to be adamant about not doing it. It, it, it If I will say this, because um, I don't want to assume um, malfeasance here. Um, it will be a crying shame if Apple doesn't want to support file access in iOS because of some... Sacred cow, in you know, that was put there years ago by somebody who may not even be with Apple anymore, saying, Oh, no, no, we can't do that. Like, you've got a files app now, get over it. Mm-hmm. Let us plug in devices and see what files are on them. Um, and if they had done that, and we've been complaining about this for years now, but if they had done that before they had switched to USB C or when they switched to USB C, this whole line of arguments would just vanish. And they didn't do it. So, uh, maybe it'll happen later. That would be that would be good. But it just that that's the part that gets me is not the I want this feature, so therefore I'm grumpy that they didn't provide it. It's like, do you guys understand how this one example opens you up to this whole line of criticism that you could just avoid if you've implemented that feature? Um, so maybe it's just really hard and they couldn't do it and they were concerned about the performance issues in iOS uh, twelve and so they They had to kick it out, but it seems like uh, maybe a mistake from uh, an iPad product rollout perspective.
0: The iPad Pro is not just the iPad itself. It's also the peripherals that Apple sells alongside it. We should talk about those. But before we do, let me thank Pingdom for their support of this episode. While you've been listening to this show, how would you know if your website had gone down if you were not a Pingdom user? How would you know if customers couldn't click that Buy Now button or access the content that you've been publishing? You might stumble across it by luck. You might get an email. You might get a tweet, but that's no good. You need a reliable system. You need something to tell you that everything's running smoothly on your site and to alert you when it's not. That's why you need Pingdom. Pingdom will let you know the moment that your website goes down in whatever way is best for you. It's super smart as well. You can customize it to get the information needed to solve an issue sent to whoever needs to receive it, whether that's one pump or your entire team. Pingdom are dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable for everyone. They utilize more than 70 global test servers that will emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every single minute. All Pingdom needs is your URL, and they take care of the rest. Don't risk being the last to know about something on your site breaking. Start monitoring your website today by going to pingdom.com RelayFM. You'll get a 14-day free trial there with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code UPGRADE at checkout to get an amazing 30% off your first invoice our thanks to pingdom for their support of this show and relay fm so let's start with the keyboard folio and let's start with the keys so how does this feel to you this the keyboard i mean it's it's effectively the same as the previous one but what have you been feeling
1: well it is the same (laughs) which is reassuring because i actually i like that keyboard i um it's funny, The one of the biggest pieces of criticism I've heard about the keyboard was from Harry McCracken, who used to be the editor at PC World, and he's now at Fast Company. Um, and he's been using an iPad uh, as his primary computer for a long time. Uh, people don't know. He's another one we should put on the list of the high-profile iPad people because he—that that is his computer. Um, and his, his biggest criticism of it is he wears them out. He uses them so much to write all of his articles and stuff that he wears them out and has to get new keyboards. And I think that's not great. Like, apparently, if you really use them, you can wear out that fabric keyboard. But, um, but I like it. And, it. and he was disappointed because it doesn't seem to be any different.
0: I've totally worn them down to making them shiny. Yeah, I haven't broken yes. any, but yeah. like I've made those
1: keys shiny. He's he's gotten them beyond that point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they're really good. I, I think I think they're good and bad in these new ones. I think they addressed it's not quite like uh the pencil where I feel like they addressed every issue, and you and I have talked about that a little bit. They addressed every issue and it's like, yes, they got it exactly. Here, it's a more complicated product. It has to do a bunch of different things. They have had to make some trade-offs, but I do feel like they learned from the pla- the past version and have made some very good decisions. Along with some decisions that uh, that are questionable, but overall, like overall for me, the number one thing they needed to do was make this thing more uh, lappable, to make it more uh, steady when you're typing with the iPad in your lap, because it was shaky. It's not quite as shaky as uh, something with a pure kickstand, but like the old one had a fold, and so the the back case came down, and a lot of the weight of the iPad was transferred into the back of the of the underneath part that's sitting on your lap and then there's a there's a fold there and as a result you end up with this thing where the two surfaces are kind of independently moving and that made it feel much less stable and plus it was dealing you know the the force was getting transferred through this kind of folded over triangle in the back and they ch- completely changed that where there's a single rigid surface that is the part that goes on your lap and the way that the force is transferred is more direct. And as a result, it is totally like I, I have spent all weekend writing my review using the uh, keyboard folio and and mostly not on a table, but in my lap and it has worked great. And that yep. is, that. So so for all the other details we can get into here, for me, that was number one on Apple's list, and they got it; they they nailed it.
0: So the keyboard, as you say, in the lap is much sturdier, but the iPad itself, like when you're tapping on the iPad when it's in that kind of keyboard, it's pretty bouncy. Um, it, it as it as it kind of is resting on that triangle because the triangle is still kind of there as like you know the, the, how it's putting the angle in. Yeah. there's quite a bit of bounce to it. It's a, it's a little bouncy, but it's easier to put into position. Uh, you know, like it, it is a. More un- easily understandable design than the origami of the previous version.
1: I went I went back to, so when I was writing about this, I got the old one out and I, I was using it and I, I, and I do what I still do, which is like, how does this go? What is the order? Where does it? And like, it's, you can figure it out, but like this one, there's no question. Just, oh, yeah. it goes like this. Yeah. It it's, takes it's some, it's super it fast, fast learning, easy.
0: The new yeah. one doesn't. I still, you know, same wishes, you know, I wish it had media keys, you know, I, I really wish they found even to put some skinny media keys in there, you know, like a play pause and brightness and all that stuff. Other keyboards have it. I really wish that they would have had it, but they don't. So, you know, maybe, enough, maybe another time.
1: Yeah, no function row, which again, I don't really need. Um, this I feel like this is one of those things where it's the faster horse argument. I don't need a function row. What I need is keyboard access to uh, play pause, volume, brightness, Those are the things that I need keyboard access to. And if Apple's not going to provide those keys on this keyboard, fine, provide back to the software again, provide assignable shortcuts in the system that are system wide that let me do keyboard shortcuts to replace those dedicated keys that they've decided they can't fit on this keyboard, but they don't do that. And I don't need backlighting, although I know people really want backlighting. It would be very hard to do on a keyboard with this design. I do get frustrated by the lack of a caps lock indicator (laughs) because, boy, I I start typing in all caps because I brushed against the caps lock all the time.
0: There are lots of magnets. These magnets make it easy to attach. All the magnets. There are just lots of magnets. There are magnets everywhere on this thing. 100
1: plus magnets all over this thing, including uh, many of them are on the back side, which provides that kind of like grid of support, which I think is actually makes it easier to go on and it holds it more securely. Um, The the way that I have approached it is basically um, look where the camera bump is and look where the camera hole is. (laughs) And you just kind of go boop and it and it does it and it aligns it and it holds it um, solidly. And my experience with it is that I um, only once or twice have I been fiddling with the case and had it kind of pop off the magnets. Mostly it does exactly what uh, you want, which is you can remove it easily when you want, but otherwise it stays stuck. And that's, that's what I want. They, I think they did a pretty good job. But it's also not difficult to take off. Like it's not like super no, no. stuck on there, but it's just the right amount you need when you want it comes yeah. off but it doesn't yeah. come off accidentally and that that's a tricky little balance that they uh, you know well designed i have no doubt that people were really at apple were really trying to find that sweet spot that's that it holds it sufficiently well that it's not going to fall out accidentally but that it's still you uh, know,
0: 103 on. magnets would have been too many <laughs> like oh it's just a little bit too strong now 102 is perfect right uh the overall look of the keyboard folio is incredibly boring. It is just this smooth gray nothing. Like no Apple logo even. It has nothing. It's just smooth gray nothing.
1: This is my grumpy part of my review especially is like it's so disappointing like it's not textured. It only the 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 keyboard only comes in gray, which has always been the case, but even the folio that doesn't have a keyboard that comes in gray and white on the big one and gray, white and pink on the small one. And it's this synthetic material. It's super flat and featureless, which I've also found picks up fingerprints and it picks up other junk. I had this in my kitchen at one point, uh, when I was cooking something and I took it back to the living room and it had like just Mm -hmm. junk all Mm -hmm. over it. And it's so visible because it's this featureless slab of, of gray kind of not particularly appealing material, Um, and it's, yeah, it's not, and, and, you know, and the one side, which has that flat surface with the keyboard on it, which it's great that it's a single surface for that, but it is, there's nothing to detail it. It's just empty. At least there's a fold on the other side. So, uh, yeah, the Apple logo, you mentioned that to me yesterday. It's like, why not put an Apple logo on there? Like you're Apple, you're the only company that can put Apple logos on stuff emboss an Apple logo or something to, sh- to say, I am so awesome. I am using my iPad as a keyboard with, and look at that horizontal Apple logo there. Nope, nothing. And it's, it's super disappointing. Cause like, I, I understand that they're from an engineering standpoint, they are probably they need to use certain kinds of materials, but like, it just is, it's, it's not attractive. It's in fact, what I say in the review, I keep referencing this review that I haven't finished writing yet is, um, Basically, Mike was right, (laughs) which is I don't like putting stickers all over everything. But let me tell you, um, I am I I really want to put stickers all over these keyboard cases because they're super boring and kind of unpleasant to touch and look at as they are. And that's too bad. Like, um, you know, I spent the last couple of years with a leather uh, smart cover on Midnight Blue on my iPad Pro. And I loved it. I was so happy when they finally came out with some colors and some uh, better options for the smart cover. Uh, but here we are. We're back to to the reset here where the accessories Apple is, um, is releasing are extremely functional. <laughs> but that's it.
0: So the previous smart cover kind of had, a smart keyboard, I should say, had like two angles. You would have the keyboard out and it would be in a kind of like, you know, it would be an angled away from you position, you know, like as you would have a laptop, and then you could flip the keyboard around and you could stand it up in what I would call the media position, which is the same as what the smart covers used to do, smart covers still do, but the smart keyboard would also do that. The new keyboard folio has two angles with the keyboard in front of you one is what they call desk mode and one is called laptop mode but the desk mode is basically the replacement for it standing straight up for you to watch media on it
1: it's media position you you would not there's no good ergonomic scenario where you're using that keyboard and the screen is in desk mode i think it's just not either your hands are going to be too high or the screen's going to be too low in fact i think on the 11 even in uh the laptop mode this the angle isn't isn't steep enough. I'm. I, I. think it's much better on the thirteen than the eleven. Um, the it's. It's. It's too upright in my opinion on the eleven, even in the non upright mode. So the ten five had this issue as well. That the the ten five was always way steeper.
0: Uh, Than the the twelve nine, so that is something that has geometry. continued. Yeah, and I guess it's just you know, the amount of material that they have, like all that kind of thing, right?
1: To, yeah, to, yeah, to no, re- it's. I think it. it's the pure the pure geometry of it and the size of the, the. I will say also the the keys are full size on the thirteen, and the even on the eleven, it's not, it's not quite full size. There some narrow narrow keys there so it's a much nicer typing experience this is among the reasons that if you are torn about the 11 and the 13 the 13 has some typing advantages um i really missed the media view i used to use it
0: a lot um especially in bed right. you know if i'm watching videos or whatever uh, i miss it uh, i think it's a shame to lose it i know i could get a smart cover uh and but i'm uh, smart, folio. <laughs> uh, smart well I, yeah the smart yes yeah, smart folio that's what it's called Uh, But it's effectively a smart cover with a back on it. But I'm Uh, not, I'm just not keen on swapping them around all the time. So I'll see how I go on that one. I haven't, I haven't made my mind up on if I get one and Mm -hmm. do swap it, but that doesn't seem keen to me. And I guess the last thing about the keyboard folio, you know, if you don't want the keyboard in front of you, you kind of wrap it around now, so the keyboard's on the outside, so you're kind of (laughs) holding on to the keys. I've heard a lot of people say they don't like this. Uh, For me, it's kind of like a fidget toy because
1: they've got buttons to just press. Uh, So you know, there's a, I think there's a Hall effect sensor somewhere where um, basically when you uncouple the, when the iPad even though the smart connectors on the back, when the iPad is sitting in one of those two little trays at the front for the two different angles, it's the, it's the snapping of it into the, um, into that tray via a magnet that is turning on the keyboard. So when it's uncoupled at all from those little trays, the keyboard, the keys don't work. So when you wrap it around backward, you can you know, put your fingers on those squishy little thingies all you like. It doesn't do anything. Now, if you feel that's weird and distracting and you don't like it, then I get that. Um, for me, um, and I, I think this is actually an endorsement of this keyboard. I never, ever, 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 ever went anywhere with my old smart keyboard, unless the only thing I was doing was using it for typing something. I would, otherwise I would take another cover or I would leave it off I just, because it was thick, this other one, the thing we didn't say, like it's flat now. The old one had like the thin part and then the super thick part where the keyboard lived. Mm -hmm. It was really kind of janky. This new one, it's just one thing. It's flat. It's, it feels much better. It's much lighter. The big problem with the 12.9 was always the surface area of the screen was so huge and it had to cover it, which meant the whole keyboard thing was huge. There actually were bezels on the keyboard. (laughs) Um, on the sides of the keys there was just like empty space because I had to cover the whole thing so it's much smaller now and it's much lighter now all of these things make it a much better experience so you know there's a lot there's a lot going for it Um, but I will say uh, so I, I will carry it around now and that's a big win like I can carry it around and I do as my smart cover essentially with the keyboard um, so that's huge because I never wanted to do that with the old one. That said, when I'm just reading, uh, especially like in the morning, if I'm reading like the newspaper in bed while I'm drinking tea, I just pull it off and just use the naked iPad <laughs> and that's great. And then it just snaps right back on. So that's sort of where I am is that I'm using the, the smart keyboard folio to take it around, but I'm also trying to be, um, a pretty aggressive in just removing it when I want it out of the way. So I'm not doing a lot with it folded back and squishing on the little the, the little keys. I usually in a scenario like that, I'll just take it off.
0: Let's talk about the Apple Pencil. Um, I think Apple just improved the pencil in every conceivable way uh, from version one to version two. It is a yep. huge jump. It is. It's basically pretty much everything I wanted. But it I didn't expect to get everything I wanted.
1: So it's again, it's a bigger jump than I would have thought it would have been. It's a weird feeling, isn't it, when, when your your to-do list for the pencil is exactly or for any product is yes. exactly what is done. But that's what happened with the pencil. It's like they they uh whoever is building the pencil knew exactly what they needed to hit in the next version. And, and they, they did. did it. The texture
0: yep. on the new Apple Pencil feels fantastic. It's nice to of halt. Um, it has a warm feeling to it with, from mm-hmm. the softness of the texture, not this kind of like cold, hard, shiny plastic. Uh, this isn't something that I've seen a lot of people mention because only people like me really care about it. So it feel, one of the reasons it feels nicer to hold is that it is better balanced. The weight inside of it is more evenly distributed. And the Apple Pencil is actually smaller. It is not as long as the previous one. So the, kind of the entire end where the lightning port was and the cap, they chopped that off. So the new Apple Pencil is slightly smaller than the last one, and it needed to be. Uh, The previous Apple Pencil was slightly too long, so when you would hold it in your hand, there was too much sticking out the other side, which misbalanced it. So it has a much nicer feeling in the hand because it is less long, so it is nicer to hold. It is more evenly balanced. So that's one of the reasons if you feel like it feels nicer to hold, that's one of the reasons why. Another is the flat side. You can... Hold it by the flat side. You can pick it up, you know, and it orientates itself. It doesn't roll away because it has the flat side. You can put it down. You can just put it down without like sliding off the table. It's fantastic. And also, the flat side is how you store it, it's how you charge it. The magnetic attachment and pairing and inductive charging is absolutely incredible. It, it is. This one thing has changed the pencil considerably it is always there and it for me what is more important than it always being there is that it's always ready now i have always stored my apple pencil in a pen loop that i stuck to the back it's in the exact same position as as i've always had it but yeah. the problem was my ipad would and apple pencil would stay connected the battery would always drain i'd grab the pencil it was never charged when i needed it to be now it always is because that's you store it on the charger I have fallen in love with the Apple Pencil all over again because of this one feature.
1: It's uh, I think for people like me who don't use the pencil very much at all, it also makes it more relevant in the sense that, yeah, you want it. And it's like, where is it? And oh, and it's not charged (laughs) and forget it. right? Whereas with this, even if you don't know, like you're planning on using it, you're like, I'm going to do some pencil stuff here. Even if you don't carry it around all the time, then you just snap it to the side and you go where you're Mm -hmm. going and you, and you, and you, uh, and it is there and it's charging and it's ready for you when you decide to use it. So it's so much better on so many different levels. The magnetic attachment is not so strong that if you just kind of toss your iPad in a bag, it's not going to pop off, but Mm -hmm. it'll be in the bag with your iPad. And when it's out and about and you're using it and shaking it and stuff, it stays put. Yeah. So,
0: like, you know, it will, uh, Attach and it will stay attached. And when you're going about your daily business, it will be fine. But as you say, this, this exact thing happened to me. I was testing it, taking it in and out of a bag. It will come off, but it'll be in the bag, right? Like they can't, you know, I would recommend if you're going to put it in a bag and this concerns you, just pop it in a, in a different pocket in the bag. Most bags have like pencil pockets, just put it in there. It's totally fine. Get it when you need it, but like, it's going to be fine, right? Like it is not as rigid as like strapping it to there, but it's, this is as strong a connection as they could do without you putting the Apple Pencil into something. I think this is the right way to go. Yeah. Uh, the double tapping uh, gesture is great. You know, this is yeah. really nice. I've I've used it in a bunch of apps that use it. And I'm seeing, you know, lots of developers think about interesting ways to do it. We were talking about FurEye earlier and you were telling me that there's a cool feature in ferrite the way that they're going to be implementing it that you could basically assign a keyboard shortcut to it effectively which is fantastic
1: the beta there's like a handful of, of features although I wonder if he will expand those but the idea that um, so I don't I don't draw and I don't write out longhand so uh, my need for Apple pencil has always been pretty limited but uh, I think in part due to your feedback uh, ferrite has some good apple pencil support and I was looking at it as part of my review. And, um, so I should say also like, uh, I, we speculated that there was an accelerometer in here like AirPods, but what Apple told me is that it's not, it's a touch sensitive surface on the front edge, the front, the front of the cylinder of the pencil is a, it's like a little tiny trackpad wrapped around that front surface of the pencil, which means theoretically they could support other gestures. It may be that they found that, um, other gestures and moving your finger around on it was confusing, um, but it's possible that software could handle other gestures beyond just a double tap in the future. But anyway, that is a touch sensitive surface. It's not just uh, feeling the accelerometer tap. Um, that's not what it, what it's doing. But uh, my point about Ferrite is, yeah, I set Ferrite to um, use the pencil to delete audio and a double tap to play and pause. And that allowed me to hold my iPad in my hand And, you know, uh, stop the, stop the audio and delete a couple of little segments and then just double tap the pencil and the audio starts again. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Like the idea that you can do that or you can, you can toggle. And that's an example where the app developer has overridden the standard, uh, settings because there's a standard set of system settings and replaced it with their own. In this case, you have to, because there's no such thing as draw and erase really in, Mm -hmm. uh, an audio editor, but um, I'm excited about that as a, as a possibility that the, the gestural support on the Pencil makes it that much more of a, a tool that could be used in other apps as well. So
0: all around Apple Pencil, like I love it. I'm using it more again than I did before. Like I've I'm, I'm, fallen in love with it all over again. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. So there are two iPads. There is the 11 inch. There is the 13 inch. Which one is right? for most people. So, I use, I have been using both iPads frequently, right? Like, I have my uses, you know, I had been using the 10.5 for when I travel and also using it in bed to read and watch videos and, and, you know, to use it in the morning and then would use the 12.9 as my work machine, you know, like, it's where I'm doing all of my communication, my email, all my show planning, you know, all of my administration, everything's going in there. For me, nothing's changed because, even though the 13 inch is small, you know, it's physically smaller for me. It's not necessarily the physical size. It's that 13 inches of screen is more screen than I want in those scenarios. Like at night, that's too bright. It's too big. It's too bright when I'm reading in bed at night next to my wife, right? Like it's too much light and the 11 is still smaller. It's still lighter. It's still less expensive. You know, like, I, I actually still think that the 11-inch iPad, especially now that it is 11 inches, so it's more than 10.5, mm-hmm. I think that it is actually even more than the 10.5, the right iPad for most people. I think the trade-offs that you will experience, like slightly less than full apps and multitasking, slightly less than a full-size on-screen keyboard, they are worth it. If you are, if you believe and if you know that the iPad is going to be a serious part of your working setup, the 13-inch is probably the right one for you. Otherwise, you should get the 11-inch because I think that the smaller iPad Pro is now better than it's ever been. So if you're in that camp,
1: you have a much, much
0: better option available to you.
1: So I sort of agree with you and sort of disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like with this generation with the 13 getting smaller that the i think the 11 is still the right the smaller of the two is still the right iPad pro for a majority of people i feel like that percentage is less than it used to be i think they're I agree closer with that. i agree with that i think for it, sure. i think it's if it was 70/30 it's 60/40 now yeah, I feel like because I feel like with the thirteen being so much smaller, so much less kind of ungainly to hold, and you and the benefits you get in terms of the bigger screen, the better multitasking, the better keyboard. That for a certain class of user that's larger, maybe who might who might before been like, oh yeah, I like all those things, but boy, it's just so huge. It's gonna be it's less awkward, it's less ungainly, it's more uh, of a pleasant device to hold. The uh, so, I think they're closer, but I think you're right. I think the eleven is still the uh more likely choice. I will say you know who is who is the eleven for the eleven is is powerful and beautiful and has all of these accessories and that's great um if part of me wants to say that the eleven. <laughs> inch iPad Pro is kind of for people who want the nicest iPad possible but may not be using it as an iPad Pro. Like because really if the smaller screen doesn't bother and it's bigger than the iPad at 350, but like for $350 you can get an iPad and it has pencil support. It's the old pencil, I know, but you can get that. And you can get an, a keyboard case for it if you even want to type on it. And you can do multitasking and, and all of these things. Like, if you're going to spend $7.99 on the 11, I do think, like, there is a good question to ask yourself, which is, at this point, what are you going to use it for? Um, and if you're really going to use it for multitasking and things like that, consider that 13. It's not as ungainly as it was. That all said, I, I do think for most people the 11 is, or for more people than, than not, the 11 is the right one to choose. I use, I've used them both. And it's funny because going into this, I was really thinking that I might go down to the smaller iPad because the larger iPad was, uh, I love the screen, but it's just, you know, it was uh, a load. It is, you know, it's a heavy thing. It's the way to spread out over a large distance. The new 13 really is so much better at all of that. then i pick up that 11 and i gotta i gotta say i pick it up and i'm like oh no this is this is way too small (laughs) like it's great because it's so light i spent a day just using the 11 and at the end of the day i picked up the 13 and i'm like oh yeah this is the stuff so for me i am validated i will say there are times
0: where i've used the 13 and i'm like which one is this
1: Mm-hmm. you lose <laughs> you lose perspective yeah. but then you pick up the 11 and you're like oh it's a oh penny. yeah it's that one <laughs> it's just a hey little guy
0: uh, we are we are, i think we are mostly in agreement right that you know the most people yes but the percentages have changed i 100 percent agree with that analogy they're creeping closer together and, and again it's probably as close as it can get if they keep these sizes distinct. Because there isn't really much more you can
1: do to the 13-inch to make it closer to the 11 now, you know, in size and weight, you know. And I don't think you'd want it to get any bigger. That's the thing, is you you don't... And and Apple made that choice, right? I, I think if we talk about the future of the iPad, I have a hard time imagining them changing from this scenario right now, in terms of the iPad Pro. Yeah,
0: there's an additional size, and it's a different thing, right? Like There is a bigger size you can do, but that's a different thing, and and we don't know what that looks like yet.
1: Yeah, because because I think that's the truth, is if they're going to do another iPad Pro size other than 11 and 13, I think it's like a 15, <laughs> and it's a artist's tablet slate thingy. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're actually going to do that, but I, I feel like that's where they would go, is creating yet another giant... <laughs> screen not like tinkering around the margins of these two they they feel like they've kind of landed on more or less the right uh trade-offs here and if you get them close to closer together yeah sure you can make a 12 inch ipad pro that's one size fits all but i don't know that doesn't seem necessary
0: so we have a little bit more we want to get to today but first let me tell you about Luna display i mean if you want something A little nice little trinket to make that uh, new iPad Pro purchase even better for you. Lunar Display is it. It is the hardware solution that will turn your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. You will have a super portable second display with stunning image quality zero lag. Setting up a Lunar Display is so simple. You just plug this beautiful little piece of hardware. It's effectively just, as I say, the smallest dongle you will find. You put it into your Mac and you'll be up and running in seconds with everything working over Wi-Fi or you can also use USB as well to connect them all up together. It's super simple. And then Lunar Display will be a complete extension for your Macintosh computer. It supports external keyboards as well as Apple Pencil and touch interactions. So you have the best of all worlds basically turning your mac into a part touchscreen device it is so simple to set up and it, what i love about it is you can just plug it in and leave it and whenever your mac comes on Luna display you can have it open and you're ready to go so you don't have to go through this whole mess of like opening up the mac and pairing it all again it's just you set it you just open up the Luna display app on your ipad and you are ready to go i love this thing it's super simple you just plug it in forget about it and it's there and then you have the power of a second display whenever you need it. You know, like if you're on the road, say you always use two displays at home, you're on the road, you've got a Mac, you've got like a laptop and you've got an iPad. Now you can set up that two display experience no matter where you are. It's super awesome. And listeners of this show can get 10% off Luna Displays. There's an exclusive discount for our listeners. Just go to lunardisplay.com and use the promo code, upgrade at checkout for that 10% off. That is A D I S P. L A Y.com, LunarDisplay.com, and the promo code upgrade at checkout. Our thanks to Lunar Display for their support of this show and Relay FM. So there is a gap between now and, and June, when, which we uh-huh. will, I'm sure, touch on this many more times, but just from a super high level, I was kind kind of trying to think of what are some of the things that we would want to see in iOS uh, in iOS 13. To really further take advantage of this professional-grade hardware that we now possess, I think one thing I want to see is some refinements to multitasking. Um, these are things that I wanted to see from the beginning. You know, like more keyboard controls. You know, I can hit Command Space and search for an app, but give me a keyboard shortcut to throw that app to the left or right side. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, I I, I can get seventy percent of the way there with the keyboard. Let me do the whole thing with the keyboard. Um, I was thinking about this too, right? Like what more could you do with the dock? Because I don't, you know, I most of my applications that I use, like seven, you know, 75% of the applications that I frequently use, they're all in a dock, right? Like I've set up my dock in such a way that if I need to bring up a second app, I can get to it from the dock or I use Spotlight. But I was thinking, like, what more could you do? And I was thinking about the home screen, right? Like, how can you change up the home screen? Because something I think needs to happen there as well. And it got me to thinking, I don't know if this is a good idea, but it's something I thought about. We have Launchpad on the Mac, right? Which is a way to bring up all of your applications from the dock. Why couldn't we just get to our applications that way on the iPad? Like, the Launchpad was just in the dock. And that's where all your apps are, and the home screen can be used for something else. Like you could have shortcuts there, you could maybe have files there, you could have applications there. It's maybe more like the Mac desktop and less like an app launcher because you could
1: have an app launcher in the dock. Yeah, sure. Is that crazy? I
0: mean,
1: no, I I don't know. I don't know. I I think there's something there, right? I think I think what what overall what you're saying is. I want the multitasking stuff to I want another another stab at it another another draft of it where knowing what we know yeah, now I
0: don't want them to go back to the drawing board again though because I don't think that's good I I want to see them just cuz really they pretty much went back to the drawing board with yeah. uh with 11 I want to see refinements to 11's
1: system Sure. Sure. Sure, but the doc is a a good example where it's like well what what is the purpose of that and how do we get that to be um more functional as a part of a multitasking experience. Mm-hmm. I I um I, I mean the nice thing about using um the keyboard is you can also go to Spotlight and find an app and then drag it into multitasking. But if you don't have the keyboard, you can't do that. So uh yeah I think it's an interesting idea of being able to to get more access there. And I, I hear you about the keyboard controls. I I overarching it's gonna come up a couple of times, but I feel like keyboard <laughs> is something like more keyboard stuff is Mm -hmm. a thing that i really want throughout but yes should you be able to launch an app in multitasking from the keyboard you totally should if that's spotlight and then you select an app and you hit a keyboard shortcut to pop it uh left or right in split view great do that but something like that would be great keyboards are not the only Uh, input peripherals though right you know it's been on my list for a long time and people always say like that'll never happen it's like i'd like to see the proof that that will never happen it's like uh, because apple said that they wouldn't um uh, trackpad support external pointing device support oh that'll never happen well uh i would have believed you until they put a text editing cursor in ios a few years ago but we literally there is a cursor (laughs) now for editing text so Genie, the genie's out of the bottle. There's a cursor in iOS now. Um, I would love to have a keyboard with a trackpad attached to it or an external you know, trackpad for, again, not mandatory, but for situations where I'm editing text so I can move that text cursor around when I'm using an external keyboard instead of having to reach up to the screen and put two fingers on it to do it. Yeah, I, I would kind of like that. That would be great. We have external
0: monitor support you know, in, in a more significant way. I mean, I don't think it would right. be the worst thing in the world to to have some kind of pointer, like, so that you could plug it in to a display and have a virtual finger of some description. Mm. You know, like, it's not completely graceful, but I wouldn't mind to see them have a go at it.
1: Yeah, I I... I think that's less likely, but I think it's not impossible, especially since a lot of these apps are going to be updated to support menu bar and cursors and things because of Mac OS. Yep. Um, I also am putting out there, uh, again, in my uh, kind of impossible future direction file, the idea that Apple's going to release an external monitor that is a touchscreen. And so their external monitor will also, if you plug an iPad into it, just be a giant iPad. That would be yeah. interesting. Um, maybe that won't happen, but uh, it could. It could. And then the external storage thing that we've talked about, like yeah. it's got to that's just got to be that files. This, this is. I'm just gonna put it out there. Files needs to support when you plug in an external storage device. It shows you the external storage device. And if there are technical issues where like, we don't want you opening, you just, it's just a copy. You need to copy it to your local storage or whatever. Fine. I don't want to open a file on a drive and then have the drive disappear. Great. Do what you need to do. But when I plug in a storage device, I want files to open or the option for files to open. I want to see everything on that device and be able to copy it to an app sandbox or just to my storage on my device or to my cloud storage And I don't want to stop there Two, I want native support for, um, SMB shares in files. I want to be able to be on a local network with a file server and mount it in files and copy the files off of it. I can do that with third party apps and those third party apps will even work within files. Although it's really annoying because you kind of got to launch the app and then launch files, which is kind of beside the point, but you can do it like put it in there, put it in there. The iPad is being used in the enterprise enterprise servers enterprises have not just cloud storage but they have like file servers Mm -hmm. companies have file servers people have file servers just just throw it in there again is an edge case sort of but it's a blocker and it's frustrating and why not just embrace it like yep files we did it they're not that exciting (laughs) that's what apple will say but you can get to them they're they're old (laughs) soon we will uh slough off our human shells and become beings of pure thought and energy but until then we have files for you this is
0: a somewhat selfish one but better audio support multiple simultaneous audio yeah. streams let me make a call in skype and record
1: it in another oh Come on. so i would i was thinking about it. this because so i was i was playing music via my home pod and um and I opened Ferrite, which uses the audio subsystem because it can record out of the microphone. And I hadn't I hadn't switched away from the HomePod controls because I was controlling my HomePod so I could do the volume and, and next track and all of that. And the moment I opened Ferrite, the music stopped. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, okay, this is this is ridiculous. Like this has got to change. And this is one of those examples where on iOS, audio can't do more than one thing at a time. Um, it, it actually can to separate output devices like in, in a way they've they've gotten around this because when you pop open the little floating thing of audio inputs you can select a home pod and then play to that and then switch back to your ipad and that that totally works which is mm-hmm. great but it's like okay starting point but when i open ferrite which is hitting the the uh, microphone like I don't want you to stop playing my audio. <laughs> like, I, want, I want this thing to be able to do more than one thing at a time. It needs to be more sophisticated. And yes, it would be great if that meant I could run a recording app and a telephony app simultaneously and recording over here in voice memos or something else while also being in Skype. Um, and again, I'm not asking for audio hijack. I would love apps to be able to have that level of audio access that, that Rogue Amoeba could write audio hijack for iOS, but I'm not expecting that. I'm expecting something like, oh, you can now use two apps, can use the microphone at once. Uh, that would be great. So I don't know. I, I'm with you. That That is, yes, it is a little self-serving because what we do is audio, but also like, again, the more flexibility you build into the system, who knows what other things will come out of that.
0: Anyone that adopts um, the iPad with iOS as a significant part of their workflow will eventually come to shortcuts as the way to bridge gaps or help them fix problems that they, they, they need to solve. I would love to see some enhancements to shortcuts as part of this. You know, Being able to have shortcuts trigger in the background automatically, you know, running at set times, running at set locations, that kind of thing would be wonderful.
1: Yeah, uh, I I agree that one of these um, one of these things that somebody has asked me in the past that I couldn't give them a really great answer is like I want a shortcut to fire off at a time, and it's like mm. I think you can do that through this like chain of apps. Uh, you always it always has to be some kind of user intervention.
0: So like you right. can have a notification pop up from like Launch Center Pro, which when you tap will go to to, tap, to to go okay. to it and launch it, but you always have to intervene.
1: Exactly. So. So, yes, being able to say, I just want to schedule this and run it at this certain time. And I yes, yes, Apple, that is scary because who knows how people will use those sorts of things. But you can't neuter the system that way. Mm-hmm. You can't. You have to let people do things like that, even if their, you know, their annoying cousin will set a fart to play out of the speakers at full volume at 3am, sure. right? Okay, fine. Don't let your cousin use your iPad then, but I I need to I want I want my alarm. Put it in the alarms. Put it in the clock app and say when this alarm goes off, don't make sound, but play a shortcut. Like, okay, that that would be fine if they want to do it that way. I'll also throw in I want keyboard shortcuts for shortcuts. Me
0: I want too.
1: to be able to launch a shortcut anywhere in the system by using a defined shortcut and yes i realize that there's complexity there as there is on the mac on the mac you can set a global shortcut and sometimes that will be overridden or override in a particular app because it has a different shortcut that's life choose a different choose a different shortcut then like again we're humans we're smart we can figure it out but let me do that let me be able to in any app go and a shortcut happens um, I got, we, you and I probably have lots of other shortcut things. I, I would like the shortcut shortcuts to optionally run, um, right now shortcuts run and show you the shortcut in a lot of contexts. That's terrible. Like I get it, but it's like, that is, that is one of the most aggressively nerdy things that Apple has done in a very long time. Like that is like running an app with a window that shows you what source code is currently running. No, like yeah. I, I think it's great for debugging, but as a user tool, um, you need the option of throwing up some UI that says, my shortcut is running now and not here's a shortcut in its entirety as you watch it go through the steps. That's, so I, I would like shortcuts to be simplified and less in my face as well. I feel like we got to mention Xcode. <laughs> sure.
0: Yes, there's actually a hashtag ask upgrade question. There There's two I wanted to get today, but this is one. Uh, okay. I kind of like this theory where Matt says, could a reason behind the move to USB-C be Xcode and using the iPad to develop for the phone, perhaps coming with iOS 13? I like that Jason-style fever dream theory.
1: Yeah, right. Like, um, And there are lots of reasons the developers will tell you why the iPad is not a real device but it always comes back to i can't do my development on it Mm -hmm. and like fair point i think personally in the grand scheme of things having developer tools on the ipad is not as important as some of these other areas but if i was a developer i would feel differently about it probably so i think it's out there i i still believe that apple what apple's going to do is they're going to do a new thing that lets you build apps and it'll run on ios it'll be swift only yeah, right. it won't be Xcode. Yep. And it'll have some limitations. It might not be Swift only. You might be able to bring in C and Objective-C and all of that, but it's going to be like a, a different set of tools that are next-gen developer tools that run on it and won't be able to do everything. And if you're like using an existing app, there, there will probably be like 18 different reasons why you can't bring that app over to the ios environment but if you're building a new app or you're building a certain subclass of apps you can do it and then there'll be lots of complaining about that because that's what everybody does when you don't get exactly what you want but that seems to me like the most likely path forward um again not not high on my list but it's got to be a start point but yeah you do have to start somewhere and it's unlikely that they're going to say oh we ported all of xcode over it's going to be we have this new thing and it may be we have this new thing on all our platforms right it may be that you know we're gonna we're gonna keep xcode here it's gonna be the thing that you can use for all your existing projects we're gonna keep updating it but we're also building a next-gen set of tools and here it is and it also runs on the ipad
0: and then the last thing that i wanted to mention was like apple supporting pro development via developer business models in some ways so like What can Apple do to entice more support for pro software? Like, can they realistically do anything? I don't know. Like, do they need to do more or encourage more about subscription stuff? Like, larger companies like Adobe are bringing more software to the iPad and they're supporting this because it's subscription. Um, or is this something that's naturally going to play out when the iPad and the Mac run the same software? Is that what Apple does, right? Like, will WWDC 2019 make it easier for developers because they can create these applications that run in both places? Like, is that what they need to do to help develop a business mm. models? Like, I'm not sure what the answers are, but they need to something and i think the seeds are there to, to try and convince you know some developers that this bringing professional so more professional software to the ipad is a, is a good move
1: maybe i mean i think the subscription thing ca- catches a bunch of it i think as the more as the perception of these as professional devices like i as that as that continues to permeate um app developers will think i want to yeah. reach those the people who are using that and i want to price it accordingly mm-hmm. i just um as an experiment i haven't gotten a chance to use it yet but i bought LumaFusion, which is a video editor um it's 20 bucks like and again that's not 100 bucks it's not 200 bucks but it's 20 bucks ferrite uh was about 20 dollars all in and then he just came up with a came out with a ferrite up, update which added an internet purchase for new features and i thought you know you can do it like these this is this is a software business model. It's not quite the old software business model. It's awfully close. Like the Ferrite thing is super close, where it's like literally you get all your existing features and if you want the new features, give me another five bucks or whatever. Um I I feel like the um you know, honestly, I feel like the big issue here is just gonna be to show that lots of professionals are on the iPad Pro. I think if you if if they are there. Then the the tools will come, and that's a chicken and egg problem. But guess what? The chicken just laid an egg, and it's Photoshop, and it comes out next year. So maybe that will help matters. Um, and you know who else would help? Apple. Apple would help if Apple would take its own Where's Logic Pro apps mm-hmm. and put them on the platform. And they've got GarageBand and iMovie. And I, I'll just say it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be a little mean here. When you're Apple and you're trying to explain to people that the iPad Pro is a professional tool and that it should be taken seriously, um, it is counterproductive to have your video and audio editing apps on the iPad Pro be toy versions of your real pro software, and that's what they have now. They have GarageBand, which is a toy version of Logic, and the have Movie, which is a toy version of Final Cut Pro, and. You know, it, 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 when I think about it, it infuriates me because you cannot tell me with a straight face that this is a professional tool when your own software development shows that you don't take it seriously. So, um, like not to be too harsh here, but Apple, if you want us to take the iPad pro seriously, take it seriously yourself. Whoever is in charge of deciding what pro apps go on the iPad is asleep at the switch. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it that way. It is unconscionable that this product exists and we still have GarageBand and iMovie and not Logic and Final Cut. It doesn't have to be the same Logic. It doesn't have to be the same Final Cut. But how are we supposed to say, well, Adobe hasn't brought Photoshop to the iPad. That's a real shame. Apple hasn't brought Final Cut to the iPad. Apple hasn't brought Logic. They've got the apps. And they insist on creating these baby apps, these neutered apps, these these subset apps and they exist on the Mac too because a lot of users don't need the complexity of those apps. Right,
0: but GarageBand and iMovie on iOS are not even as powerful
1: <laughs> as the counterparts on the Mac either. But I'm sa- I'm saying the existence of GarageBand and iMovie yeah. is great, right? Like yeah. you shouldn't feel Wonderful. offended yeah. if I if I say that GarageBand and iMovie on on the on the iPad aren't enough because for some people they are enough. My point is on the Mac, Apple does both because for some people you just want GarageBand. Other people are like, "No, I want to spend money. I want to get Logic. I need Logic." I did that. I went from GarageBand to Logic, never looked back. Totally Same. worth it for me. Many people it's not worth it. That's great. On the iPad, you have no choice because Apple hasn't bothered to bring their pro apps to their to their pro tablet platform. It's pathetic. So, you know, for all of the, you know, we can grouse about iOS, but like, where are the apps? Apple, like this is, and this is fundamentally, this is my frustration with this product is I love it. I can do a lot of work with it. The problem is I can see, and I think you're in the same boat here. I can see a lot of other ways I could do work with it, Mm -hmm. but nobody, you know, nobody knows the barriers to doing certain kinds of work on the iPad Pro better than people who work on the iPad Pro all the time. Trust mm-hmm. me. And it is frustrating to see Apple make such great hardware and then like their software, just, their software game isn't there, their app game isn't there. It's so frustrating because I can do a lot, but there's a lot more I want to do with my iPad Pro that I just can't do because the software's not there.
0: And this is the big difference between people like us and people who are coming to this device fresh we see the same problems but we also get more benefit out of the improvements right so we can see more of the fuller picture where like i totally understand like if you're trying to use this as your work machine and you feel like you can't do it like you're going to be annoyed about it and you're not going to get the good out of it but we get the good and we still see the frustration but i have hope Uh, I want to finish today with one last hashtag. Ask a great question. It comes from Brent. Uh, Brent wants to know. Just just, one laser this week. Very short laser. Do you guys organize your iPad home screens based on portrait or
1: landscape layouts? Landscape, right? Oh yeah, landscape. Absolutely. That's how I use my iPad. It's a horizontal machine. In fact, when I am, I do use it in portrait, in vertical. When I'm, you know, reading uh, newspaper in the morning like something yeah. like that and obviously for comic books i do it too so i do that and whenever i'm in the home screen i go back to the home screen in that orientation i'm like where is it i don't know what right? anything is in portrait <laughs> nope. on my iPad no idea or nothing it's a no idea no device. it's we didn't get the apple logo on the back in landscape this time which frustrates me a little bit but again and the, and the thought that they could have put it on the 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 folio in the right orientation and so when you've got the keyboard on suddenly your apple's in the right orientation and they didn't do that it makes me so sad Mm -hmm. like this was your chance to kind of fake it and say yeah it is a horizontal device when it's in this nope nope
0: oh well uh we will be answering more ask upgrade questions next week so send in your uh tweets with the hashtag ask upgrade and we can pull those out on another episode also don't forget a couple of weeks time uh, my name is Totoro and Mike at the movies, and don't forget uh-huh. to also get your votes in for the fifth annual Upgradies. This has probably been the end of review season. Oh, I hope so. Products. Um, so we'll I be sure hope so. Going back to maybe more regular content and programming next week, but I will say it's been very busy. But. This is a very, very exciting time, and it's fun to talk about these new things. Um, you can look out for Jason's review of the iPad Pro. It will be going up before our next episode at sixcolors.com. Sure, yep. I'm going to put we that line on you, Jason.
1: Thank you. All right, yes, I, I would like to finish it uh, sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah, I, I would just naturally expect that... You will have it done by next Monday. <laughs> you know, well, I'm going to just naturally yeah. assume that on your behalf. Uh, Jason yeah, is you. at jsnell on Twitter, l i am at i mike i m y k e on Twitter and Instagram. Um, this show is a part of Relay FM. Go to relay.fm slash shows and you can find more wonderful programming. If you've enjoyed uh, this discussion about the iPad Pro, well, on Connected this week, I'm going to be asking Federico Vitici for his views on the iPad Pro, which I'm very excited about to understand how Federico's been enjoying this. He's been pretty deep in the uh, peripheral rabbit hole as well. He's been connecting monitors and all this kinds of stuff, so I'm excited to see what he has to say. Uh, Thanks again to our sponsors this week, Lunar Display, Pingdom, and Hollow. and we'll be back next time. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye, Jason Snow.
1: Goodbye, everybody.